0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to my nightmare. This is our second recording of today's podcast. Our first one was eaten by the internet, or Zoom, or Kyle from Cruise hacked my computer. I don't know. It's annoying, um, but you don't care about that. Instead, here's the intro. You're listening to There Auto Be a Law. The Center for Auto Safety podcast with Executive Director Michael Brooks, Chief Engineer Fred Perkins, and hosted by me, Anthony Simina. For over 50 years, the Center for Auto Safety has worked to make cars safer. So, welcome listeners. Good morning, good afternoon, guten Tagen. Right now, as we record this on July 26th at noon, there's this fascinating hearing happening in the U.S. House of Representatives about autonomous vehicles and the nonsense being spouted by people is amazing. The number one thing that I've heard from pretty much everybody is China, 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 China is going to take over. There was one commentator who said it would be awful if China won this and it would change how our school children are taught. They would have to go through the Chinese
1: socialist systems
0: well, uh it's just
1: my, my favorite so far was the witness who talked about <clears throat> all the activity that's going on, the many companies, the huge investment, and how uh <laughs> and then how industry is uh is tragically threatened by the current regulations, the direct contradiction of what he had just spent ten minutes <laughs> discussing about the you know the vibrant economic activity that's going on.
0: Yeah, I always it's I always feel bad for those poor giant corporations um that need more help because corporations such as Apple, which is worth what three trillion dollars, who are in the autonomous vehicle space, they need help. General Motors, they need help. They're I mean they're not in the trillions. I mean so <laughs> I guess they kind of do need help. Um, but uh, these are the largest corporations on the planet. Like they, I mean Apple has a greater GDP than China. I just made that stat up i don't know maybe no no sorry. they're not
2: quite there but they're actually close <laughs> they're, it's definitely close when you add waymo uh, uh google and yeah. amazon zooks uh and gm and other manufacturers onto the pile i think you're certainly at or higher than china's gdp but the, you know the the whole the whole side that the, the and the arguments that industry is pushing today in the hearing are, are nonsense for the most part. I mean, we just have not seen the benefits that they're promised in actuality. Everything they're talking about is is aspirational. It's future talk. It's tech bro nonsense, as we would also call it. You know, it's it, they're making all these claims about this brighter, better future. Um, but the vehicles, you know, they're testing on the roads right now don't really bear that out uh, and we don't know how long it's going to be until you know it's it's okay to deploy a million of these things once on america's streets we don't think the time is now it's probably not for another decade
0: right the uh, representative from the national federation for the blind mark riccobono in his comments he talked about being in he's ridden in autonomous vehicles a number of times and he was even in a situation where it took him to the wrong location but he said, the helper people were so great in terms of solving this issue for me. Okay, now they want to scale this up to a large amount. So right now he's one of, I don't know, at any given time, what, six other people in these cars in San Francisco? They don't have a ton of people, so I'd hope their customer service was responding fast and critically. The concern we have for people with any sort of disabilities or people who don't have disabilities is when these cars do do not drop you off at your location or in the middle of the street and you're not aware of it. Um, so it's all, everything will be better in the future, but for right now, it's garbage. So let's, uh, you know, I, I hopefully I'm not tiring out uh, my two co-hosts here, but uh, since we've already done this this morning and I really enjoyed it, let's play autonomous vehicle <laughs> testimony fact or fiction. Pretend like you haven't heard this before. All right. So, uh, from the Alliance for Automotive Informa- Innovation, which is sounds like such a great name, uh, there is Bozella, and his testimony. He says the whole motivating premise in developing the autonomous vehicle was one or safety was one of safety. True or false? Uh, false. Correct. It was not. It's all about them monies. We should not be satisfied with more than 40,000 people dying on our roads every year. Agree. Well, that's true. Yeah. Michael?
2: That's absolutely true. It's just that the the way to save all those lives right now is not AVs. It is a lot of other technology that the auto industry is actively resisting putting into cars.
0: Uh. AV technologies are no longer a concept, some utopian ideal not based in reality. The technology is here and ready to scale. True or false?
2: Absolutely false. I mean, it's not ready to scale at all. I mean, maybe if you scale it down to the Matchbox car size, and that's what they're talking about, sure, it's ready. But if you're scaling it. Out in terms of more cities, more vehicles causing havoc on streets across America? No, it's clearly not ready to to any, you know, rational or objective observer who's watching what's going on in San Francisco and who's listened to what the fire department, the police department and the other people who are actually on the ground dealing with these problems every day are saying um they're being swept aside in this push to beat a fake china competitive threat and this you know this very very wishful and aspirational thinking by disabilities groups who may see a benefit in the same number of decades that the rest of us will um, and in the meantime, we don't think that, you know, people should be put at risk on the roads by, you know, the legislation that's being proposed is essentially corporate welfare for industry giants who don't need it. And what they're really seeking are, you know, reductions in consumer protections, and they're looking to eliminate state laws or local laws that would get in the way that would also be important to protect consumers. So what they're looking for is a flat plan. Field, um, NITSA and the federal government are going to take a decade or more to get rules out as they've proven over the past 10 years or so. The rulemaking is so slow there that on autonomous vehicles and complex issues, I, I don't see it getting much better. So the auto industry is virtually guaranteed a lawless regulatory environment, a regulatory vacuum uh, while they're deploying these unproven vehicles. So That's what some of this legislation does. It's not good for consumers and, you know, neither version of this legislation. One of them is particularly bad and turns NHTSA into a trade regulator um, and tries to make NHTSA the one deciding what vehicles can come from what countries in the United States, which is certainly not something they need to be doing. Their budget's small enough already. So essentially what we're seeing today is a big push for corporate welfare for companies that don't need it, who are ultimately going to end up if this passes either form of legislation passes are going to end up putting more of these vehicles on the road causing problems across America and using the rest of us as test subjects while they continue to tinker and get to a place where these vehicles are actually safe and actually benefiting all of us
1: so that you're and if you look at false? the other if you look at the other uh meaning of scale which is to remove the skin, and you peel back the skin of the AVs, and what you find is a computer at the heart of it, which um, is is interesting because, as we demonstrated so vividly this morning, computers having to deal with the analog real world often make mistakes, often create errors in the in uh, the desired output, and uh, this is why we're re-recording this this podcast, if I remember right, but. When people make the claim that the AVs are computers, therefore they don't make mistakes, I don't think that's representative of any computer that I've ever worked with, or certainly any computer that deals with the analog world and has to translate that into computerese and make uh, life and death decisions based upon that interpretation of the real world. So, uh, yeah. So So, I disagree with that.
0: Okay, so again, gentlemen, the rules are: this is autonomous vehicle testimony, factor fiction. Uh, you're both deducted one point for rambling. Uh, from the national oh, come Federal-
1: on, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> hey, look, how I'll, many I'll points? How many
0: points do you deduct
1: for having <laughs> to do this over?
0: Come on, it, <laughs> 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 hey, look, I blame Zoom software made <laughs> by humans. Uh, the National Federation of the Blind—they're arguing for um, an exemption class for manufacturers. Uh, basically, the exemption being, "Hey, we don't have to follow federal motor vehicle safety guidelines." I think I got that right. Was that right? Huh? Did I get a point. No one's
2: responding. motor vehicle safety standards. That's safety standards always. Oh, yeah, guidelines are not good. Guidelines mean anyone does anything they want. Well, through the guidelines
0: <laughs> that's what they're going for so uh, so exempt from safety standards and they because they believe this exemption will create an expanded opportunity for testing that will provide manufacturers the ability to innovate make bold choices think hot pink cars and think outside of the box of current vehicle designs think zooks <laughs> onto what an idea of vehicle could be for somebody with disabilities um do manufacturers need to be exempted from federal motor vehicle safety standards in order to make a better product?
2: Uh, no. Oh, okay. No, and, and not particularly you know, you, you can't it's some of these arguments are problematic because they're they're positing, you know, endangering people on the road today, actual people against this future aspirational view of what these vehicles may bring. You know, there there is no current data suggesting that there are any benefits accruing to the disabled or to any of the rest of us. But there's a lot of evidence that AVs are bringing negatives to our streets. So, you know, this is just one other, you know, way that the industry is trying to tug on the heartstrings in Congress by, and they've been doing this for a decade now by propping disability groups up and having them tell their story about how AVs will one day enhance their independence and all of these and, and all of these other things that we really want to happen as well. Um, we just don't see it anytime soon. And we, we're, we're not willing to endanger the lives and the people on the roads now to reach this fantasy uh, that may never actually occur.
1: Weren't those same arguments? I'm sorry. Weren't those same arguments used to justify ride sharing, in uh, in cities?
2: Yeah, I, well, and and to How me, ride sharing offers a lot of the advantages that that many of the the disability advocates cite. You know, I, I one that it doesn't offer is complete independence from relying on another human, which is you know something that is very important. And, you know, something that I certainly enjoy having and, and you know, I, I, I in no way, you know, hold the disability community and or try to hold them in a negative light because of that view. But the fact is, we're not there yet. I mean, and I think that's important to emphasize again and again and again, you know, the, putting people at risk on the roads now so that we might one day reach X just is an argument that 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 doesn't sit well with me
0: i'm sorry you can't say the word x anymore that is uh currently trademarked by elon musk why (laughs) no no x not y okay uh gary shapiro president of the consumer tech association and if you're watching the uh hearing uh world champion eye roller uh, states, the self-driving vehicle industry offers huge economic benefits for the United States, generating up to, generating up to seven hundred ninety-six billion by twenty fifty, according to a study by Securing America's Future, which uh, is not interested in securing America's future. Oh, sorry, according to a study by Securing. Let me start again. Yeah, I can edit this. Damn it, from the top. Gary Shapiro from the Consumer Tech Association and amateur professional eye roller, amateur professional, sure yeah, says, is, "Is it getting worse? Look, I haven't eaten.
1: it worse. Look, yeah. look.
0: The self-driving industry offers huge economic benefits for the United States. Generating How much coffee have you had?" Ah, generating up to 796 billion by 2050 according to a study by securing america's energy future energy which is just a lobbying group and they're making numbers up this is nonsense that's like when i tell my son for every time he goes into the refrigerator he's just costing me money okay for everything he does just reach into my pocket this this 796 billion dollars is everything will be better in the future he continues in the next 12 years alone this market could create 300 to 400 billion in revenues globally and it could also give everyone a unicorn and everyone will have flying cars and it could it could make Elon Musk go around and hug everybody on on planet earth could is This a yes would... or no question Anthony? <laughs> I don't remember anymore.
1: The answer is bullshit. Well, yeah, but what he's saying is that if, if this vision of the future with all of this great stuff happening works out, they'll create business that's essentially one quarter the value of Apple today. <laughs> well, why is this exciting? Fascinating take,
0: Michael. Yeah, I mean, the,
2: <laughs> the numbers are all somewhat pulled out of thin air. I mean, obviously, if – look, if – the perfect or not even the perfect av but a very good av comes along that's driving as well as say a professional human safety driver and it's you know saving lives and doing all these things then yes it needs to be out there and i think you know those economic predictions are actually pretty low for something that that really works but the problem is again we're nowhere close to that and you know, passing a massive corporate welfare bill that enables the industry to do whatever it wants is not a good idea here. And if you have any doubts about that, you know, feel free to look at our website and review the last 50 years of the auto industry and how they work under regulation and how much they really value safety. Um, They talk about it a lot and you hear about it a lot at this hearing, but their version of safety is also a world where they're still making, you know, obscene profits in some cases and are advertising things to those of us who are buying cars that aren't quite there yet. Some of the creature features and the comfort features that are going into cars now and the infotainment systems just are not quite there yet. Humans are still having a lot of problems just with that technology. And we still don't have, you know, really good AEB, emergency braking that's coming down the road in 5 or 6 years and even then it's not quite good enough. That's a technology that needs to be con- continued to be developed and can play a role in saving lives and doing a lot of the things that would make those figures make sense someday, but the time is not now and there's really no justification to allow, you know, every manufacturer to put 100,000 AVs on the road tomorrow. To make sure that happens, you know, what they need to do first is make sure that the vehicles are safe. And once that's done, then, you know, the sky's the limit.
1: Well, the sky's the limit, but there's a limited budget for how much people are willing to pay for transportation. And the money that's going into consumers purchasing the self driving vehicles is coming out of the market for uh, people buying. Conventional vehicles. So uh, it's much more likely to be a, a net zero gain as far as the consumers are concerned, because you know, price has got little to do with cost. Price is what you're willing to spend, and cost is what it takes to to make something. But besides the fact that, as mentioned earlier, it's a relatively small contribution to industry overall. What happens is that they're really driving this because they're of the potential for increased profit margins on the vehicles, uh, not because of safety, not because of anything else. So really what you're looking at is taking the existing market and slicing it into a bigger piece for the manufacturers and a smaller piece for the consumers. Uh, Mr. Gary Shapiro,
0: the uh, factitious fact man continues with according to CTA research, uh, Okay. Two thirds of US adults are interested in replacing their cars with self driving vehicles. One fifth of US adults are willing to try crystal meth if it didn't affect their teeth. So, look, we can pull all sorts of nonsense out of our derriers, just like Mr. Gary Shapiro. Um, but in order for us to do that, you should go to autosafety.org and donate. So, look. Of course, two thirds of U.S. adults want self-driving vehicles. They also want their own jet. They want their own island. They want—we want a lot of stuff. I want all of these things. I mean, literally, I was having a conversation with my wife a week ago, and I was—I was telling about how like the uh, the 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 uh, computers are terrible drivers. A little ad thing that we put together, and my wife looked at me and goes. That's so funny because before you started talking to these two knuckleheads no I'm not you're not knuckleheads um I was all for self-driving vehicles I thought it was real I thought it was a thing that we it worked cuz you know some guy named Elon was saying you can get auto dri- pilot and full self-driving and candy it was the candy that convinced me that the cars would drive themselves Does he offer candy I just made that up didn't I God I should eat something He did
2: All right So, so- we- in, in March, you know, uh, advocates for our Highway Auto safety Commission poll that suggested, you know, more than 80 percent of Americans and, and even higher than that in some cases were are concerned about sharing the road with autonomous vehicles. And, you know, it's pretty obvious that the two studies do not jive. And I, I'm going to trust, you know, the advocates poll mainly because it's supported by a number of other polls from AAA and, and other groups in the past that have suggested that Americans truly are hesitant to trust these vehicles until there's some type of showing or proof of safety and so far we simply haven't gotten that proof it, it it's something that we pointed out um in a spoof ad we did last week it's something that we're going to continue to point out because the av industry continues to spout nonsense about human drivers and other data that could be interpreted in a lot of different ways but the one thing they have not done is show us, you know, that they can meet what is even the standard of the worst human driver, which is, you know, 1.34 deaths per 100 million vehicle miles traveled.
0: <laughs> that, that sounds very practiced. Have you said that, that before?
2: I have to think really <laughs> hard when I stitch those long <laughs> phrases together. <laughs> Okay. It's almost
0: like
1: we rehearsed this.
0: It's amazing. Uh, look, so I'm going to switch things up. The last person, our favorite person testifying today, is Philip Kopman, fan of the show, friend of the show, performer on the show. Um, in his testimony, he puts forward, It is important to remember that there is tremendous financial and competitive pressure to deploy the technology, self-driving, as fast as possible. Given a near vacuum of regulatory requirements on the safety of the computer driver itself... Uh, companies have a huge incentive to cut corners on safety and bet on getting lucky to meet their milestones for that next round of funding. He sounds so cynical.
2: Well, he's he's already seen that happen with Tesla. Really, I mean, they're they're out there. You know, we know they've killed at least a couple of dozen people when 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 driving on autopilot or full self-driving. We're not sure of the real numbers. Nitz is investigating about forty of those crashes. Um, And, you know, that's a great example of a company that's willing to take risks and with American safety to please its investors and to pretend that their vehicles are going to be robo taxis, which is the decade old promise from Elon Musk that's never going to come true because the vehicles they put out simply don't have the hardware and software that's going to be necessary to perform, you know, level four plus type driving
0: they are going to cancel your Twitter account, your X account, whatever it's called, as soon as this airs. It's (laughs) going to... Michael looks very upset over that. (laughs) Uh, All right, so we have a a new section on our site called self-driving car fan fiction. Why did I call it that instead of autonomous? Because of search engine optimization. Okay, that's it. Autonomous vehicles would be the more correct, but most people outside of the listeners of this show, wouldn't know that. And we want more people to understand this stuff. Right? There's a so, lot of words
2: for it. Automated vehicle is another one that I like. And you'll also hear a variation of that where people talk about automated vehicles and um, what is it, Fred? Autonomous driving systems, which would be the software that does the work without the uh, vehicle involved.
1: Oh, automatic driving systems, uh, assisted... because a lot of words. There's, there's no... <laughs> well, that's an interesting point, actually. You're
0: fading too.
1: There are so many. Di- there are so many different words that there is actually ongoing work to develop a um, a vocabulary to discuss self-driving vehicles or autonomous vehicles or again whatever you want to call them. And there's not standard yet. So we didn't even have a way to talk about safety, much less a standard to implement safety. Hey, look, the tech bros tell me we don't need safety. It already works.
2: Tech bros. So it works well. It the road before we know what to call it, in <laughs> other words.
1: Well, it works well for the Titanic submarine,
0: didn't it? <laughs> oh. Okay, so this site, uh, this page on our site, self-driving car fan fiction, tell all of your friends. Um we've listed out a number of fictions and the top one we list out is China is going to beat the US. And through today's hearing you hear it's it is straight up racism. It is straight up red scare. It is ah then China's gonna take it. Oh they're gonna make they're gonna put fluoride in the water. Oh, they're gonna make everybody eat noodles. Like it is like the most absurd over the top uh, rhetoric possible. China, China, China. Like it's it's bizarre. Gentlemen, is China going to beat the US
2: and will it be in rugby? Well, the, the, what you're hearing <laughs> at the hearing is this massive creative threat uh, about China's competitive. Um, skills, You know, they're suggesting that China is going to beat us to AVs and they're going to be the big breadwinner in the end and, and flood our streets with their vehicles, blah, 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 because they're a competitive threat. But in actuality, you know, we don't think they are much of a competitive threat um, to the industry that's established in the United States between General Motors and some of the traditional manufacturers. You know the three of the largest software companies on earth—Google, Apple, and Amazon—have their fingers in the door here, and you know there's a number of other groups, you know, including Aurora that are involved in the trucking. And we just there's no comparable group of corporations in China working on it. We know that there are states that that the country may be involved as well in that process, but. The real threat from China is in no way competitive. It is a security threat. And right now, we're not protected from it either in the future AVs we might see on the roads or in the cars that are coming off the line in Detroit. There's simply not enough, not proper cybersecurity built into these vehicles to ensure that they aren't taken over by a rogue state or to ensure that you know your privacy isn't threatened by the data you're feeding into your car. So that's where our real concern should be. And we're in that pickle because the auto industry has been resisting cybersecurity regulations and resisting any type of meaningful vehicle security, vehicle theft regulations for decades now. They don't want uh, to be told what to do. They want to, you know, build their own security in their own silo and monetize it that way. What it really means is they're not building enough security into vehicles, and none of that is being vetted and tested independently before these vehicles are produced. We've talked many times on the show about the CAN bus, and it's – and in, in, in its inherent hackability and all of the other systems and computers that are put on cars now, it's just an area where there hasn't been uh, enough done to ensure security. So cybersecurity regulations need to be at the top of the list. And in one of the texts that's being proposed today, they are It doesn't even make it, really. Every manufacturer is required to have a cybersecurity plan, which is meaningless. Um, We have to have strong regulations that are created to make sure that manufacturers are meeting a certain standard. Just writing a plan and putting it in a file cabinet in Detroit is not good enough.
0: Yeah, because who wants to go to Detroit? So is the argument that we can't let the Chinese win because they are communist – and if they win, we become communists like them. Therefore, we have to remove all regulations like the Chinese communists.
1: My wife's well, my <laughs> wife's favorite Christmas movie is <laughs> Is it Die Hard? It's Die Hard. How did you guess that? Anyway, um, Die Hard was it was made during the height of the scare that Japan was going to be taking over the world. And it's so interesting to to look at that, and you know, to, to in that context. And apparently, Japan did not take over the world. Ever since then, they've been in a uh, actually in a, a state of deflation. So it's uh, it, it's interesting interesting to try to project the future from current circumstances. But like I, I may have mentioned earlier, that India is actually very aggressive in the automotive industry. They bought a. Uh, a company named Tata, which is an Indian company, bought a company named Volvo, which is a Swedish company. And uh, they are developing additional technology, additional electric battery technology and self-driving technology, which is putting it to their Polestar offering. So uh, if I had to guess, I think that a competitive threat would be coming from India far earlier than it would be coming from China. I also read a story today that Tesla is outselling the Chinese electric vehicles, even though it costs three times as much as the competing Chinese cars. So there's, you know, in China, apparently the American technology is whipping the Chinese. So I'm not sure how that's going to turn around when it crosses the Pacific and, you know, become an omnipresent threat to American industry. But I have a lot to learn.
0: (laughs) Okay, so I, I got to ask again, is it so are we trying to remove because China doesn't really have a lot of regulations on anything. Um, Welcome to Beijing, you can eat our air. Um, but it, so the argument is that, you know, if the Chinese we will become communists, and so we have to remove all of our safety regulations that are present in our democracy and voted upon and legislated,
1: or else we become communists. Yeah, it will oh, yeah, be think... forbidden to learn English. We'll all we'll have to learn <laughs> Mandarin.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, that whole argument is just absurd. So it's hardly even worth addressing. It's so, you know, just patently absurd that that's something we should do in America. I mean, it was suggested, actually, um, by the crew CEO a number of weeks ago on in an interview he did, where he was basically saying, you know, we look at China, they're loosening regulation on the industry and they're going to beat us. Well, that's not how we do it in America. Um We actually try to protect consumers. You know, places like the Center for Auto Safety don't even exist in China because I would be I would be disappeared to a cell somewhere never heard from again. Um, It's not a positive to mimic a country with a history of human rights violations like that, even though obviously we have our own problems here in America. Hey, we Um, do not. We're perfect what the auto industry wants is a system like china except they want to be in charge they want to be the state they don't want anybody telling them what to do and they don't want any rules or regulations dictating when they can sell anything to anyone um and at the same time they also if one of their vehicles runs you over they want to usher you off to a private kangaroo court while you're where you'll never get justice um that's also in consideration in this process so you know, I would say no. Let's not be like China. Let's make you prove that your cars are safe before you start taking risks with American safety.
1: Tech bros, So was says this a no. yes or no? Was this a yes <laughs> or no question? Because I'm going to go with no. If if because Michael just said that. Okay,
0: seven points for Fred. Okay, the next fiction. Within speaking of tech bros and and our friend of the show Kyle within 10 years driving will be a hobby like riding horses is today i have to point out i've never ridden a horse okay i don't have that kind of hobby money <laughs> so
2: <laughs> I, i've ridden a few horses um back before back before i felt like i was burdening the horse by getting on them anymore <laughs>
1: Wiggly, 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 we got to bring it in.
0: (laughs) Maybe you should go to a Chinese labor camp. It'll, you know, help lose some weight. Good idea. (laughs) Okay, so this is the thing is no one will be, so his argument is that no one will be driving anymore in 10 years. Keep in mind that he works for General Motors, whose business model is to sell people cars. But in his future, no one will be buying cars. There's just going to be, you know, a few thousand autonomous vehicles.
2: It's it it doesn't make any sense to me as someone who has you know grown up in Mississippi and areas where I don't know if we'll see an autonomous vehicle for you know decades. There's no money in. The robo taxi industry in you know rural America, and that's the company that he's running. So it's it's it just seems like they are it's it's part of this ever elastic timeline that all these AV manufacturers are playing with. They they continue to pretend this stuff is great now when it won't be for 50 years, and they also pretend that the solutions they're proposing, which right now are primarily robo taxis selling automated vehicles to consumers is a completely different ballgame and requires a whole lot more testing and rigorous safety testing to ensure that, you know, humans can keep up with the maintenance and the sensors and the software and everything that's involved on a vehicle sitting in their driveway. Um, and bringing all that to rural America just sounds like, a, frankly, a pipe dream at this point. It's It's got to be many decades away because – there's not really the type of money in it that there is when if you could deploy in the in the middle of large cities.
1: You know, there's a saying in the financial industry that the profitability of a business plan is inversely proportional to the amount of money the proposer has in the bank. And uh, you know, I, when when I hear these uh, these great predictions about the wonderfulness of the future, I I can't help but think about that. There's just You know, there's an empty cash register, an empty credibility register in the AV industry that's forcing them to project all these incredible benefits in the future to counterbalance the fact that there's no there there. You know, after all the time they've spent developing this, there is still not even a definition of what safe enough means. There is no number that says this is the objective we're trying to reach. Uh, And they now want to legislate a buy so that they will never have to establish what a safe enough level is. Tech bro disagrees.
0: Um, Humans, another fiction, humans are terrible drivers. And listeners, I've searched far and wide wide. Okay, I put in one search on the internet, looking for a photo of Elon Musk driving a car, actively driving a car, and I cannot find a single photo of Elon Musk, proponent of autopilot, full self-driving, and other fictitious terms he's decided to use – and not a single one of him driving a car. If you can find a photo of Elon Musk actively driving a car, it can be when he had, when he has his wig on, when he doesn't have his wig on, whichever one, um, please send it in, and you will be presented with a full self-tour of the nearest Piggly Wiggly with Michael Brooks as your guide. That's right. If you act now, Michael Brooks will gladly visit you at your local Piggly Wiggly and shop with you. He's not going to pay for any of these things, but he will shop for you. And, you know, if you can, if you could buy him a sandwich, that would be great. So are humans a terrible driver or is this just what Elon Musk's mother said to him, said that he was a terrible driver?
2: Well, some humans certainly are terrible drivers, uh, but the fact is that the AV industry has never – put forth data that even suggests that their vehicles are even as good as the worst of us um, on the roads. Now, the, the the figures that work out to, as I mentioned earlier, 1.34 fatalities per, per 100 million vehicle miles traveled, um, that's not great. We want that number to be a lot lower, but the fact is that Right now, AVs haven't been able to prove that they're anywhere close to even being as good as that, much less what they continue to promise, which is this excellent driving that's going to ultimately eliminate fatalities on our roads. Um, that's what they're saying. I don't believe that is probably going to be here for at least a few decades, if that. It's That's such a high bar. Um, but that's what they're promising today to try to make sure that they don't have any regulations that they consider burdensome and that kill their innovation is what you'll hear. When in fact, the innovation part comes with autonomous vehicles in you know, innovating the safety features of these vehicles and making sure that these vehicles can act appropriately on the streets and can behave in ways that aren't causing problems like they are in, you know, San Francisco and in other areas where they're deployed right now. So there's the, the bottom line is that you know they haven't shown or made any type of demonstration that any one of these models they're deploying in America is as safe as even even you know human drivers are right now much less what we would like to see in the future fred the other
1: thing they've not shown is that known circumstances that have killed people have been recreated in a test site somewhere and that the vehicle has been put through its paces to make sure that they will never again kill a person in those uh, circumstances. We know what some of those are. They've been documented. Uh, Triller trucks crossing a roadway. Uh, people who are, are vehicles that have not been able to navigate an exit ramp on a highway. Uh, it's easy to set these up on a test track somewhere. Test tracks exist. All it takes is the will to do it. and there, It's inexcusable, really, that this has not been done, and it's beyond belief that people would assert the safety of these vehicles without replicating known hazardous situations and verifying that their vehicles can navigate those situations in the future after software changes that are, were necessary to make the vehicles safer in even those limited circumstances. That's not to say that they're safe enough overall, but you know where you know they're not going to be safe— You really need to be responsible developers and take this information, put it in a test track in a controlled environment and fix the damn thing so you don't kill any more people. You know how to do this needs to get done. You're getting in the way of my innovation,
0: bro. Uh, Last one we have on this page that I'm going to talk about is a fact. Autonomous vehicles never drive distracted, drowsy or drunk. True or false? Fred Perkins. True.
2: Michael and Brooks. <laughs> Michael Brooks. It's, it's a true but.
0: <laughs> a true but. Look, this is, uh, you know, this is some liberal nonsense out of you, too. Uh, look, we know that computers, hardware and software, they're written by people, and people are infallible. I know this because this is the second time today we're recording this episode, <laughs> okay? <laughs> <laughs> I am not claiming human error on this. I am claiming software on this. Well, I'm not claiming myself as the human error am you
1: zoom so no human being has ever been um disabled by the elimination of a seven-layer printed circuit board no human being has ever been disabled by a bad solder connection right uh no one's ever been disabled by a faulty interpretation by a computer program of visual input from a camera these are you know These are things that happen. These are things that happen in all sophisticated electronics. They happen all too common, and there are things you can do to minimize them, but they're still going to happen. The frequency of this happening compared to the frequency of a drunk driver killing somebody has not been established. The The random faults that are going to occur in electronics, particularly as it gets, uh, more and more in the car with smaller and smaller devices. Uh, right now, they're about one uh, seventieth the diameter of a human hair. If I remember the the uh, if I remember the number correctly, these can be easily upset by a cosmic ray or or ionizing radiation. They're very very small. Don't need much to upset them. And any of those upsets in improperly designed software can create a critical fault. That could kill the driver or the passengers. So, yeah, they don't drive drunk, but they don't drive perfectly either. Uh, long, long way from it. And if they can develop electronics that are safe enough so that they are comparable to the current standard of one vehicle failure every couple of billion miles endangering somebody, oh, that would be very good. We'd like to see that. They're not there yet, and uh, no company, by the way, has ever gotten there yet in any realm uh, of electronics, as far as I know.
0: No, we'd also like to see, listeners, we'd like to see you find the nearest shoulder. That's right. It could be a person. It could be the side of the road. Pull over and make sure that you're subscribed to There Auto Be A Law. That's right. And, and while you're at it, just take another minute and call up your your, your favorite people on planet Earth or planet Melmac, planet whatever, planet fitness. You know, give them a call and say, hey, have you checked out this podcast? And by the way, don't you owe me $18? But more importantly, haven't you checked out this podcast? Because you know you have at least one friend who owes you exactly $18. Maybe it's just <laughs> me. Okay. Um, so continuing along the thread of, of uh, AV nonsense BS, there's a company called Tesla. Not sure if any of you have heard of it. But uh, Tesla manages to be able to call its products things like full self-driving lie, autopilot, another lie, and people completely reasonably think, hey, these things, if they're being sold to me as a consumer, they must be okay. It must have been checked out. Like it's the same reason that when you buy orange juice, it is actual orange juice, and there's something else called orange drink. Orange drink is not orange juice. They're very different things and there's regulations around these things. So you can't say, hey, I'm orange drink. It's 98% orange juice. It doesn't mean you can call it orange juice because it's not 100% orange juice, okay? You can call it orange drink, even at 99%, still orange drink, okay? But apparently if you're Elon Musk, you can just say, hey, full (laughs) self-driving, it's not. Autopilot, not at all like an airplane. Um, how, How does he get away with this and how can I start doing that for my life?
2: well he gets away with it ultimately because the federal trade commission hasn't been willing to step in and tell him he can't use those words to describe a, the system and it's inherently misleading describing the what what is a you know a conditionally automated vehicle it's basically advanced steering in many ways is all autopilot and full self driving are advanced steering and braking they, the systems involved in teslas don't even begin to approach you know, some of the vehicles that we see Waymo and Cruz putting on the roads as actual autonomous vehicles. Tesla is not nearly that far. You know, they've relied on cameras and for a lot of their um, self-driving, in quotes, uh, operations. And we, we think that that's just not sufficient. You know, they need more sensors. They need They certainly need to do a better job validating their software. And frankly, you know, Tesla's shouldn't be considered an autonomous vehicle in the way that some of the other vehicles that are out there are. Um, But the reason we're here is because the FTC didn't act on those terms that are used. And also NHTSA and the Department of Transportation have some authority there because, you know, the confusion that's been created by Tesla's marketing of those features has made drivers think that their cars are full self-driving. You know, we've seen polls that suggest that, you know, up to, 40 i think it was 40% of tesla owners think their vehicles are capable of of driving themselves and they're simply not and um that's what the the NHTSA continues to look into, but the problem is they haven't done anything. And so while the FTC and NHTSA have continued to look into this issue now for almost a decade at different levels, people have continued to die, people who are driving next to a Tesla, people who are emergency responders, in addition to the folks actually in the Teslas. So we're seeing people who never had an option to choose uh, whether or not they hit that full self-driving button, die in crashes caused by that system. So, it's time, and it's way past time, frankly, for NHTSA at DOT and even Congress. You know, they're pushing AV legislation now. Well, part of that legislation needs to be a restriction on what V on, on what. Auto companies can call systems and features in their vehicles. That's to make sure the consumers aren't confused and don't believe that their vehicles can drive themselves. So when they're not when they're clearly not capable. So that's that's where that failure came into play. It was, you know, basically we had a lack of action by our government and, and, you know, we had, you know, it is a new technology. Maybe it should have taken a little more time for them to add all this up and come out against Tesla. But the fact is they haven't.
0: So could I start an auto company and say, Hey, when you buy my car, it comes with a free Rolex, but instead of the watch, it's a row of a bunch of little Lex Luther dolls. Would that work? Or I'd get in trouble be, for that. You can roll the Twitter. <laughs> Or could I be like, hey, my car comes with free with uh, unlimited supply of chocolate chip cookies must supply your own chocolate chip cookies. Like that's kind of what he's doing, but worse because people
1: are dying and people generally don't die from eating chocolate chip cookies. I don't know. Well, it's like offering somebody a box of chocolate chip cookies and then you open it and find out that it's full of dirt i mean that's that's really what he's doing
0: look i sent that to you once as a joke i thought it would be nice okay i'm i'm sorry i'll never do that again <laughs> uh so nitza has been asking tesla to say hey give us all the data on your crashes and failures around batteries around seat belts around why somebody chose white as their vehicle color um and nitza and and sorry tesla has said nah I don't know if they responded with an actual poop emoji but they've just not done this um I, I, this is just amazing again of of the brassness
2: well of Elon. Nitz has had to file multiple information requests with tesla and unfortunately we don't know what the content of any of that those exchanges are because tesla has routinely redacted every inch of its responses to the government whether or not those are actually covered by the freedom information act they Effectively, are obstructing the investigation by NHTSA. We don't believe that they're providing a full account of all the data they're receiving from their vehicles, um, and we think they're. We have a lot of concerns really about you know Tesla's ongoing, what it seems like, negotiations with the government while nothing's being done to to stop some of this software from being introduced. So we've seen full self driving expand and go out to more owners and. You know, without any proof presented that it's as safe as even, you know, the worst of us on the road, a similar problem that exists on, in the true autonomous vehicles or what may be true autonomous vehicles one day. So it's an ongoing problem. And again, we we, we hope that it's resolved soon. We, we know that the longer it goes on, the more people are going to be killed by full self-driving and autopilot. I don't think there's any question about that
1: we and others have advocated for independent review of the safety and operation of autonomous vehicles before they're allowed to operate on the highways we're, we're not the only ones who have done that this is uh, comparable to licensing of human drivers right you've got to go through a learner's permit and a couple of examinations before they're allowed to drive with their or before they're issued a driver's license we believe that there should be a comparable process in place for these autonomous vehicles the self-driving vehicles and this could be done at the state level it could be done at the national level uh it should be done it's not a difficult thing to put in place there's certainly a lot of capability around and it would go a long way towards giving people confidence that it's safe to use the highway oh no fred
0: froze on me but it was safe to use the highway
2: Looks like he's back.
0: Oh, they're great. You're back now. You froze for a second. Um, but I think you got your point out. Uh, I, I don't know how Elon Musk gets away with this stuff. My assumption is that he has a copy of Abraham Lincoln's long-term birth certificate, and he's holding it <laughs> against the government. I don't know. Um, but, Fred, you've done it once today. Are you ready to do it for the second time? Are you ready for the towel, of Fred? Because I heard uh, a rumor we'll that, you, that you took your notes and you ripped them up after our previous recording of this. You pulled out your in, inner Donald Trump, ripped them up, and ate them.
1: You can't be too careful. You've
0: now entered the Dowell <laughs> Okay, threat. today we're talking about tires.
1: Tires. So, uh, what does a tire do for your car? <laughs> Makes it look cool, man. Because you like those sidewalls, huh? Those <laughs> white sidewalls.
0: Oh, can you still get white sidewalls?
1: I don't know.
2: I haven't seen him in a while.
1: Michael, no. you got white sidewalls on your uh, No, on your but I I, car, I, I, I do Chevy? like that.
2: I do like that look on the on the antique vehicle. You know, the white sidewalls can really can really be sharp.
1: <laughs> well, uh, they keep the car on the road. Say again. They keep the car on the road. They do keep the car on the road. Oh, well right. on a good day they do. Yeah. They <laughs> they make it possible to keep the car on the road. They provide uh you're, the only contact between your car and the road is through the tires. So <laughs> you right, seen everything that I drive upside <laughs> <laughs> upside down, you use the roof a lot, and the sunroof. So the tires provide propulsive force. They provide braking force. They provide lateral force. So I can go left and right. And uh, the way they do this is, of course, to capture air inside and have rubber outside that contacts the road. Uh, There's a lot of complexity to the tires and the way they're designed. They've got a steel bead that fits around the rim and holds them in place. Uh, They've got um, airtight rubber on the inside, leak-proof rubber to hold the air in place. They've got fabric around the rubber to provide structural stability. Uh, The fabric can be wrapped either around it in a radial pattern or bias pattern, gives you different characteristics of the tires. And then of course, there's rubber on the outside that grips the road, provides traction and dry pavement on wet pavement. And if you have a snow tire and snow tires uh, are in the snow, I should say. So there's there's a lot to this actually. A fundamental to safety of the tires is keeping them properly inflated. And uh, Anthony you passed this earlier where do you find the numbers for the desired pressure on the tires I asked the guy down at the tire shop and he tells that me works.
2: Anthony yeah. uh, Michael <laughs> Michael your answer that's on the inside of your uh, driver's side door. Now,
0: right. come on, look, ladies and gentlemen, earlier I said that one correctly. Fred had a number of questions. I got most of them wrong, and Michael's just copying off my answers at this point.
1: Uh, you're collecting <laughs> points, Anthony, you're collecting <laughs> points. So why is it important to keep your car t- hires inflated properly? Uh or- Fuel economy. Oh, look at this. You didn't even say that one last time
0: around. Fuel economy, stability, lateral Our movement. Down down. Um
1: uh,
0: the wear and tear, uh uh braking, acceleration, gripping. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs>
2: so aren't all of those things basically a function of applying the appropriate amount of friction to the road?
1: Yep.
0: Oh look at you. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> uh huh. <laughs>
1: both right and your command of buzzwords is admirable so what happens if you have too much air in the tires well what happens is it gets over round and so it reduces the amount of tire that's actually in contact with the road so that reduces the friction which in turn reduces the amount of control that you're able to exercise through your tires so i should be able to go faster you should be able to well you can always <laughs> go faster for a while um but you can go faster, yes, if you want to do that. But it'll wear out your tires much more quickly, too, because they're too much pressure, so they bulge out. And you then wear a strip down the center of your tires. Uh, the other thing it does is it, it it does increase your mileage, if you want to do that. But you, the mileage increase comes at the expense of safety and at the expense of your ability to control the car. Uh, more important, if its tire is underinflated, a lot of things happen and basically all of them are bad. So you increase the amount of, of, uh, rubber that's in contact with the road, but you also increase the amount of flexing that the tire goes through as it rotates. And when you increase the amount of flexing, you increase the amount of heat that's generated internally in the tire. And, uh, something you can try at home. You've probably done this already, Anthony, because we did this earlier today is take a paper clip and, uh, Put it in your hand, straighten it out, then bend it again at the same point, straighten it out. Do that rapidly several times. And after just a few seconds, you'll find that the joint starts getting visibly warm. And if you do it a lot, what's going to happen is that's going to break at that point. The reason it breaks is because of excess heat and damage to the structure that's caused by the over flexing. That's the same thing that happens in your tire. And, uh, you may have noticed that you find a lot of pieces of rubber on the highway on the first hot day of summer. It's because a lot of tires have been underinflated all winter, but because of the colder temperatures, they haven't overheated. But as soon as the temperature warms up, they cross that threshold and the tread starts to come off. Um, Now, there's a lot of information on the side of the tires for people who want to take a look at that. There is, uh, for example, the size. The example I'm looking at here is called 245 40R18. So taking that apart, uh, it's kind of odd because it includes both metric and English units. But the 245 is the width of the tire in millimeters. And uh, this is another quiz, Anthony. You failed it earlier today. Oh, God damn it. How many... How many millimeters per inch? <laughs> 24.5. Oh, close to the
2: dyslexia.
0: Oh, 54.
2: 25.4, Anthony, come oh, on. Oh, come <laughs> on. Seven. I, I said 30 earlier, so I was dead wrong.
1: All the torque. <laughs> and that was actually a legislative accomplishment of the Congress, so anybody who says they can't do anything is completely wrong. There's China. proof there. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> the next number, 245 slash 40, the 40 means That's the ratio of the sidewall height to the width of the tire. So if you have uh, really thin tires, of course, that'll be a low number. Uh, After that, there's a letter R in this case, which stands for radial. Uh And it'd be a different letter for a uh, bias ply tire. It would be a B for a belted tire. Almost all cars now have radial tires because of their advantages both in terms of uh, mileage and handling capability. So in terms of wall height, um, you
0: see that on a lot of high-end cars. They have very thin walls. Yeah. Is there some sort of benefit to this? Is this purely aesthetic?
1: There is a benefit to it. Okay. It makes you feel better.
0: <laughs> well, it's about time something did. <laughs> So I I guess that's
1: good, right? People want to do that (laughs) because you Um, see that in
0: like Corvettes and whatnot, like all sports cars. They've like it's super tiny. Is that well? It
1: means that it it actually makes the tire a little bit lighter than it would be otherwise. Okay, Uh, a small benefit. I don't think you could actually measure the difference in performance, but it does that. It makes you much more susceptible, though, to damage of the, the wheel because there simply isn't as much room when you hit a pothole or hit a stone or something like that. It just is not as much room for the tire to flex and absorb that impact. That's of course another thing that tires do is make your ride smoother. Right. So uh, because they absorb a lot of the impact. One more question. So when you when you're
0: buying a car, like you go online and you choose the stuff out, it gives you an option of like, oh, do you want the 18 inch wheels or the 20 inch wheels? Mm -hmm. And again, like, I I just want wheels. Like I don't I don't care. Like why would it give me? Like
1: why would I as a consumer Want one over the other? Well, it's good that you want wheels. It's it's important <laughs> to have wheels on your car. Well, Why would you, as a consumer, want one over another? Well, it's hard to say. This example I'm looking at with the 18 means that there's an 18 inch wheel uh, inside for the for the car. If you have an 18 inch wheel, it's going to turn a little bit slower than a 17 inch wheel at the same speed, and it will go over bumps a little bit more smoothly just because it's it has a larger diameter whether or not you can actually feel that or or notice that difference in the car's performance it, i suspect you probably cannot i think it's mostly for eager reasons that you would do that for what if i'm you, sorry for what reasons ego yeah. <laughs> ego it's a psychological term anthony but i huh. i know this is technical um if you have an if you use your road your excuse me if you use your vehicle off road a lot, of course that extra diameter will give you a little bit of extra road clearance, so you'd be able to avoid a few rocks you might otherwise. But for daily use on a on the highway, going back and forth to the piggly wiggly, I don't think that that's uh, a meaningful difference. Now there's another number on here, which is the uh, speed capacity of your tire. And there's different, different numbers going from L, which means 75 miles per hour, up to a Y and Z, which are 186 miles per hour. A Z is anything over 149, so it includes both the W and the Y. Uh, w is 160, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it's there's 168. a letter. I looked it up there's earlier. There's a letter on I... the side of your car. So the thing for consumers to be aware of is that. You can buy, it's possible to buy a tire for your car in the right size with the wrong speed rating. And so you should be a little bit careful if you're buying a less expensive tire that it does have the speed rating appropriate for your vehicle, whatever it's going to be. Uh, Michael, there are instances of companies putting the wrong tires on vehicles, right? We talked about this earlier. You still there, Michael?
2: I'm here. I was on mute. There was a um, circumstance involving Goodyear G159 tires that were originally designed for use in the, I don't think it was in the 90s on uh, city transit, delivery vans and that type of thing. Um, And then Goodyear decided to start selling them for use on uh, recreational vehicles that are traveling across the country on highways and the The fundamental problem was that they did not test them properly to ensure that at highway speeds for long times that the heats would remain low enough for the tire not to delaminate and cause crashes. And so what we saw was a rash of crashes um, with a number of deaths and injuries involving those tires. And in fact, the rate of of death and injury, I believe, was, was far exceeded the recall of Ford and Firestone tires that was going on at the same time. But this one went unnoticed for another 15 years or more before recently uh, that's finally told Goodyear they needed to conduct a recall, by which point, you know, I'm not even sure. I haven't looked at the completion reports yet, but the last we looked there were just out of the 40,000 or so tires that were sold. I think they replaced under 20 because that's all that are left on the roads now. So that was a sad, Story in 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 the um, history of tire safety.
1: Delamination occurs when the components in the vehicle or the components in the tire come apart. Like for example, when a tread leaves the leaves the car uh, and goes to the side of the road. That's one example of delamination. But it can occur between any of the different layers in the car, between the airproof rubber or the airtight rubber and the fabric and and or the external tread. So the other information that's on the car, uh, on the tires includes whether or not it is a winter tire. You can see a symbol on there that looks like uh, three mountain peaks with a snowflake on it. it. There's a code that talks about when the tire was manufactured. There's an identification of the company or the actual facility in which it was made. These were all for tracking purposes if the company ever has to have a recall of the tires. So that they can trace it back to your individual vehicle. Uh, some tires carry an MS marking, which stands for mud and snow, has special tread separations, more more in more space between the, the tread nubbins so that mud and snow can you know leave the tire. And the snow tires typically would have an MS rating on them. And what else? couple of the details that, that probably are of no interest to our consumers but <laughs> so, <laughs> everyone does you know everyone does have some numbers that are required by the Department of Transportation and a lot of other numbers that are put there to allow you to pick the exactly right tire for your vehicle most important thing you can do for your car though for your tires is to check your tire pressure frequency frequently. And make sure that you've got the right amount of air in your tires, because that will make sure that you've got the maximum control over the car and uh, maximum safety. And if you want to make your car lighter, don't
0: use air, use helium. It will make. I saw it in a cartoon once, your car starts floating. It's awesome. <laughs> so, okay. Tire and AVs, I'm combining them as one ready. So my, I'm in my autonomous vehicle here. There's no driver. There's no steering wheel. There's no pedals. There's nothing. And uh, autonomous vehicles, true or false, do have tires?
1: I think. I don't know. I've never seen an autonomous vehicle. So <laughs> okay, I'm going the, to project. The answer is true. They probably do. Okay. Yeah, so uh, do. These,
0: okay. these tires are no different than the tires on our vehicles now. True or false?
1: True. I'm,
0: I'm going with true. Yeah. Okay. So again, I'm pa- the three of us. We're passengers in 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 some autonomous vehicle. It's the future where everything's better. And uh, the tire breaks. Tire pops. Deflates. Uh,
1: what do we do? <laughs> well, clearly, a robot's going to pop out of the car and f- replace the tire. Of, of course, the
0: robot will stop serving us drinks. you remember rosie from the jetsons yeah um where is this extra tire
1: oh extra tire um i think it's in the trunk with rosie oh
0: well we should let her out she's a nice lady you know she's a robot who wore pants (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) all right folks since this is the second time we've recorded this today we're just going to wrap up here um, I think we've learned today that uh, tires, good. Autonomous vehicle lobbyists, bad. Um, I'm not sure if there's anything else we really learned from this today. Um, I We appreciate you subscribing. If you haven't subscribed, you're going to subscribe. If you haven't donated, you're going to donate. You're going to tell your friends to donate. You're going to get that $18 back from Todd. Um, things will be good, and you'll realize that, hey, Tesla, uh, what they selling you shouldn't be buying
1: um, well i think we've i think we've learned that we should try to do this on the first take ah. it seemed to go a lot better what do you think michael well
2: i uh i had mixed mixed feelings about the process I, mean, I think it's hard to make an identical podcast twice in a row it's it's a lot of lot of things going on and some ad lib and other things i mean unless you nail it down from the start so we we produced a different product i don't know if it's necessarily worse or better um but either way it's safer than any av on (laughs) the (laughs) road
1: great segue i love that all right
0: thanks listeners goodbye thank you bye-bye now michael you say goodbye too
2: goodbye everyone (laughs) all right For more information, visit www.autosafety.org.